with J-Dubs and Rocky. We're broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit studios in Rockin' Royal Oak, Michigan. Be sure to find us at podcastdetroit.com. What time is it? It's Nooner time. Better bring me a mirror. Happy hump day. Happy Wednesday. And it's sunny out today. (laughs) But it's cold. It is cold, but it's sunny. That makes a big difference. It does make a big big difference. Yeah. So what's going on, Rock? Big week this week. It was a big week this week. We got the DMAs on Friday. Yes, we do. And our own team money is up for eight. Eight of them. Okay, now that's the most you've been up for, right? Last year was seven, I think. Seven last year, yeah. And so eight this, this year. Yeah, so like in the in. next couple of years, it'll be, you'll be on every category, whether you could do country <laughs> whether, or I want it. He's up for 15. Americana, whatever. Because then be at 15, you might win one. <laughs> oh, you win. You, win. Win. you yeah, won last year. I won last year. Yeah. So which one, which uh, category means the most to you? Which the one is, they won't never put me in. <laughs> The one that's not even listed, probably, yeah. right? It's called it's called the producer of the year. I mean, you know, do, I wanted do that. they have that? Category? I won rap producer last year, but okay. I just want the category of producer. producer. I mean, I'm doing more than just rap, right? Right. Oh yeah, you are. But they always yeah. give it to the guy who's done one song for the last two years, and I'm doing like. 10, 12 songs a year. Aww. But I ain't going to cry about it. No, because you, <laughs> hey, you're nominated for eight. So yeah, congratulations. So, hey, and we're could really be where I remember excited. when I never was nominated. Yeah. So I'm good for that. That's when you That's were awesome. lip syncing everything, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Using somebody else's music, right? right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited for you. Oh, how God. did the, you had the interview last week yeah, with Unsung? Yeah, uh, how did that go? That was perfect. I almost felt like it was the interview that I've always wanted my good friend over to the left of me to do, <laughs> <laughs> but I never got. <laughs> well, the know. nameless voices you're, you're friend on the left. Your friend on the left there is a little intimidating. Yeah. I don't know that you want an interview with him. I, 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 I don't did. think I would want I an did. interview I with him. I really did. I like that he's it. sitting on that side <laughs> and not this side, and I'm not on that side. He, he is a little scared, but he's a, when you really get the door, it's just like one of the greatest guys. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm I'm so excited yeah. to get to that interview, but I know we got so we have the DMAs coming up, right, and right. Um, and then we still got our big anthem, the Detroit anthem. We do, oh, so, yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's going to get wrapped up hopefully yeah. like right around the twenty. Maybe I'll get Bill to talk about that one. Does <laughs> Bill know nice. about that? <laughs> no, but I'll tell him about it. Oh, Bill should know about that. That's yeah, all right. Absolutely. I'm a contributor. Yeah, he's <laughs> always a contributor. Oh, sure. I like contributors. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and uh, so yeah, so we have the DMAs, um, Kelly Ripa. She announced her co-host this week. I am so oh, excited. Yeah, yeah, finally. You know how for the whole year she had different people filling in? Right. So she It was a guest a week, right? Or she yeah, had like a, a co-host a week. Yeah. She does, she's on every day. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I was thought Strahan yeah. was going to be the, the football player. He's not, he's not it. He no. was it for a minute, though. Yeah. It was, uh, it's Ryan Seacrest. Oh. Yeah, that was a big cool. shocker. Was yeah. he even on this past year? I'm not. I don't think so. I didn't oh, see. I didn't I don't see know. anything. But I mean, anyway, so I don't that, really. I don't yeah. Know. So that's done. Yeah. So that's and, really cool, though. Mm-hmm. And then Monday, um, this past Monday was one of my favorite 
like Hollywood events. It was the Met Gala, so which is the big charity event that they have um, at the Metropolitan Museum of Arts and Costume Institute, which is it's just such a cool event. It's like I'm not. I don't pay attention really to fashion, and I'm always kind of doing my own little yeah, thing. Yeah, you but. always look like a slob. <laughs> I talk to you about that. <laughs> but, well, you know, I don't ever, like, I'm never on top of it, you know, mm-hmm. but it is the one thing every year that I, like in the red carpet events, I never pay attention to, oh, to, to those. To what and, they're wearing But this stuff. is just such a creative, you know, every year they honor a designer, and I guess um, this year it was the designer of Colme de Garçon, and it's the first... What it was? Who Colme des Garcons was? Is the line? Is the oh. is the line? Yeah, and, the, um, that's out. Of, do they sell it at Kohl's? Because if they don't, I would have yeah. no idea who it is. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, how cool! Said, yeah, it's just a is cool that New event. York? Yep, it's in New York. It's not part of New York Fashion Week. No, is it? it's completely different. Because when is that? New York Fashion. I think that's in. Um, was like it in, in the April? beginning of the year? Oh, I think I'm not. I'm honestly. That's why I don't pay attention Detroit to that. Fashion I only week. Pay attention to the. Do we have a fashion? Yeah, we do have a Fashion Week. Well, to, look, isn't that like a merch? I don't know. We should find that out. Though. Yeah, That's we should cool. pay attention to that. But uh, it was just—it was always a cool thing. It, the, the, is that like on your bucket list to go? It there? is. It's. I feel like I will have made it if I get to go to the Met Gala. That wow. will be really. <laughs> yeah, because it's just such I will, a cool I, creative. I, I, I event. feel like I would have made it if Victoria's Secret invites me. <laughs> Jeez. With some angels' wings, <laughs> yeah, lots of them covering everything. <laughs> but it's just a cool. Oh, that's I've it's never cool even to see everyone's creative. You know, they they dress to the theme, and it's just um, and is it, it's a private event. It's right? a pri- yeah, it's an invite only, yep. like all the celebrities. Yep, and, and they're not like allowed that. to take selfies or have their cameras out inside the actual event. So they, the red carpet beforehand is always a big, big deal because you get to see everyone's designs, and mm-hmm. um, they're just they're so creative, and the the looks are so unique, and it's just not something you typically see. You know, there's always like someone, one or two people on a red carpet, t- you know, that are typically dressed a little. You know, off kilter, uh-huh. you know, yeah. creatively, but this mm-hmm. is really a chance for designers to go really kind of crazy with their with oh, their looks. It's just cool. such a cool thing. So I was uh, I was excited. And I didn't realize that it was the first living like tribute um, since the Saint Laurent in like the eighties or something. So which was kind of interesting. They oh, always the designers tribute. living. Yeah, so normally oh. they they honor a designer that's passed and oh. their life's work, and but this was one of the first uh, only living designers that they had wow. honored. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I I really love it. Close. I think it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Just so just that's on see. your bucket list. That's on my huh? bucket list. Matt Gala. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a How it's cool. a stretch, but <laughs> well, hey, you know what? We have a couple celebrities in the room. Oh, well, we, we do. We have T Money. Everybody knows yeah, T Money's right. a regular here, mm-hmm. and we're going to see him Friday getting all his awards. I'm going to have to help carry him out. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm the roadie for T Money. That's, that's what a, I did. Not a bad job uh, hey, that's what I did when he was getting his makeup done. Yeah. Yeah, they that was all fun. That makeup on me. Oh, that was great when she said we're going to do your makeup. I was like, oh, I got to get pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Team money getting some makeup. But um, we have a big celebrity in the house today. Yes. Somebody who has been in the limelight for many, many years. A well-known name in Detroit and nationally. And is doing some bigger things now than yes. he did before. So let's get on with our favorite segment. All righty. All right, it is our favorite segment, What's the Wish, What's the Way, and What's in the Way? This segment is designed to showcase the stories of talented and gutsy individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique, interesting, and most of all, inspiring. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Can you imagine spending the rest of your life in jail for a crime you never committed? Our guest today is working hard to prevent that from happening. With some 40 years of meticulous investigating and detailed reporting of the news, Bill Proctor earned a reputation of integrity, honesty, and get the job done. He was planning for retirement when one investigation led to a few words, you got it wrong, which changed the course of his life. Fueled by a new purpose, Bill Proctor made it his mission to find justice for the innocent. He is the founder of the organization Seeking Justice, and he's here today to educate us on a growing problem. Welcome to the Nooner Show, Welcome Mr. Bill the- Proctor. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome 
welcome to the Nuna Show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's very, very nice. And I, uh, he's smiling now. I so know. It was very intimidating when he got in. I was a little nervous. I was like, he's I need to start one. knocking on the I know, door. You need to quit scaring people. Uh, okay, so how's retirement going? Um, I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, can, I know you didn't. Okay, but on, on a serious note, um, there's the movement to raise awareness of innocent people uh, being convicted for crimes that they never committed. And I'll be honest, I didn't realize that it was even an issue and how bad of an issue it was. I mean, I've heard of people getting exonerated. Um, and then ironically that we have you on the show, Time Magazine uh, this year in February uh, published a special edition that covered this whole problem, and it, it's called Innocent, the Fight Against Wrongful Convictions. So um, when I started researching and looking at your website and everything else, I, it was very disturbing that this actually happens and how bad it is. Um, so tell us about Seeking Justice. Tell us about the organization. Well, that magazine you're talking about uh, essentially celebrated the 25th anniversary of the Innocence Project right. out of New York. Right. Uh, everybody, I think, knows the name Barry Schecht because he was one of O.J. Simpson's uh, defense attorneys. Mm-hmm. It was the dream team. And he provided probably the knockout punch to convince enough jurors that O.J. Simpson wasn't guilty because Barry Schecht talked about the key issue. Mm-hmm. And that's DNA evidence. Um, it was early on in uh, in the criminal justice system's understanding and acceptance of DNA. And so when Barry Sheck was asking questions that essentially process and procedure couldn't answer, mm-hmm. you know, why certain things were questionable, even when it came to DNA evidence, it was enough to leave doubt in the minds of the juries. Barry Sheck left that victory, and I'm pretty sure he decided that that was going to be the way that people were saved from injustice. It was the power of science, and DNA evidence has become uh, a recognized element of uh, the criminal justice system and how people prove that they were not responsible for crimes. Unfortunately, it's only a part of the puzzle, and the puzzle is complicated and difficult, and if we had about a half a day, <laughs> okay. I could well, stay what, here with you and talk it through. Well, what are some of the other uh, factors that... Uh, land people in jail when they're innocent. Like if it's if you have DNA and and that proves that you're you're not guilty, what are some of the other things? Well, uh bad identifications um is responsible for um most. Wow. Maybe 57% where people say, "Well, I recognize him as the person who robbed the bank." Well, quite frankly, unless you've got videotape on that person and unless you can keep looking at that videotape, to have someone decide that they can recognize someone in the midst of a crime that usually is upsetting, that's, uh, that's how it happens most. But there are uh, a number of elements, including the misconduct on the part of the system, uh, police who uh, often are pushing a bit too hard to try to get a conviction. They will make mistakes. Mm-hmm. They will threaten people who are alibi witnesses. They will change the structure and presentation of the evidence. Prosecutors sometimes feel that winning is more important than truth. And Mm -hmm. so when you start running down these roads, uh, you can be uh, jammed up in a system that doesn't want to do the right thing. um, It is complicated. I mean, uh, we, we still have to say that we have the best criminal justice system in the world because it at least tries Mm -hmm. to be fair. It tries to be reasonable. It tries to seek the truth, but it falls short much too often. Yeah. So I read that last year there were 166 people who were exonerated, and that's bad. <laughs> I mean, because first of all, it's here's the other thing: there, it's not like they go to jail and then in a year they're exonerated. Yeah, a lot of these people, yeah, they were in jail a long time. The average length of time. For someone to be convicted, to go to prison, and to finally get back in a courtroom to argue their innocence yeah. is 11 years. Oh, no, I'm dead. Oh, God, I can't do it. I can't do <laughs> wow. it. Wow. Oh, 
It's 11 years. That's the average. Why, why is it so long? Is it because they're, they're, they don't have a, a group like Seeking Justice behind it? Or why, why does it take that long? It's because... Um, is that just our system? Once there is a rush to get you convicted, and that's usually within the first year, um, there is no rush to hear your argument for actual innocence. Oh. Uh, there are too many barriers to essentially get someone to hear you again because there's this thing that's said in the criminal justice system, you've had your bite at the apple. Well, it's a very snide way of saying we gave you one chance. Never mind that the odds were stacked against you. Never mind the government and the prosecutor and the police have all the money they need to take you down. You have one attorney, sometimes court-appointed, who has nothing. Mm -hmm. No money for expert witnesses. No money for private investigators. No money to essentially go in and go through what evidence is presented against you. So by the time it's done, it's so horrifically lopsided, the numbers of these things are not surprising at all. Think about the fact that there are right around 2.3 million people in prison in the United States. We incarcerate more people than any other country on the planet, never mind how off-kilter they might be. If you want to go with a simple number, 1% of those people are innocent. Wow. What is that? That's 23,000 people. But with are, that many people incarcerated, wow. wouldn't you think that they would, I mean, and taxpayers are paying for that, wouldn't you think there would be kind of a, some sort of like urgency to make sure that the people who don't need to be there aren't being paid for by the people? I mean, I feel like that kind of... It's so it's such a backwards way of thinking to me that it's like there you know it costs money to keep those people there if they're innocent why would you not sure that's one less person they have to pay for you well, know so it the simple uh, number in the state of Michigan is that it costs about thirty eight thousand dollars a year to keep one person in prison that's crazy <laughs> all right so yeah we don't want to spend the money but you see the expansive effect of a wrongful conviction is at least 10 people deep beyond the person who is in prison. 10, meaning immediate relatives. So wife, children, girlfriend, mom, dad, um, employer. Uh, By the time it's all over, the expanse runs through an entire community because the community loses that person as what amounts to a viable citizen with a job, supporting family, uh, essentially going to church if that was their choice, um, doing things that are positive for the community to essentially support not only family but but every single element of life. Right. It's a reasonable expectation. Think about the fact that if the simple number, the potential 1%, is wrong, 3%, 3.5%, we're talking well over couple of hundred thousand people. Wow. That's so crazy. Hundred thousand. That's the high end of the estimate. I think the one percent to three percent is probably accurate, but three percent is still sixty some odd thousand people that are in prison. Now, this goes all the way up to people who are sentenced to death. Right. We have found people on death row for twenty some odd years who are eventually released because somebody woke up to the fact that they weren't guilty of what sent them to prison in the first place. Wow. Wow. That's, that's <clears throat> crazy. unbelievable. Sheesh. Um, <clears throat> there, is, there is hope, though. All right? <clears throat> we, have to, we have to wake up to the fact that over the last two or three years, people in this country are waking up to the fact that this isn't something that you just kind of cast off in that simple phrase that you used to hear all the time. Oh, yeah, everybody in prison claims they're innocent. No, don't let anybody say that to you without challenge again. Right. Don't let them say that because it's not a joke. There are people in prison who from day one of their arrest are trying to tell the authorities, wait a minute, I I didn't do this. I couldn't have done it because I happened to be over on that side of town when the crime was taking place on this side of town. Guess what the system does to those people? They essentially dismantle the credibility of the alibi witnesses, because yeah. usually they're relatives. Wow. I'm working on a case right now where in Detroit, 
on the northwest side, right around 2001, 2003, um, there were several drug-dealing gangs. All right. So, yeah, one of them was a primary distributor, and they were a violent bunch, and they were all in the same family. They didn't have any problem killing people. Now, that's one side of the drug dealing. The other is just simple distribution. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just write it off as capitalism because it's against the law. But, right. the, but the real bottom line is these people were just trying to make money because they couldn't find jobs. And, yeah, it was a bad choice. Okay, fine. You're a drug distributor. You should go to jail for three to five years. Right. But there are two young men who ended up in prison for life because the drug gang conspired to take out competitors, Aww. to take out snitches, to take out people that they thought stole drugs from them. And so two young men went to prison between 2000 and 2002. <clears throat> One of them, I can give his name, it's Dwayne Proviance. And the Detroit police put together a case against him because a guy who was a street snitch, gave the police their names, said, I saw him do it, him and his brother. He went to prison for life. Wow. And then they figured out that the guy who was the primary witness was lying wow. because the police made a deal for him. Oh and Dwayne Proviance was lucky enough to get the University of Michigan Law School's Innocence Clinic to back and present reasonable arguments that he was innocent and he was released. The city of Detroit had to pay him over a million dollars. Really? But he's free and he's living and he was saved. Wow. wow. There are tens of thousands, I think, in the Michigan prison system. Wow. So what does your organization do then? How does that work? Like, how do you decide whose case you're going to take? Seeking justice is... For now, primarily uh, an information portal. Okay. We talk about what's happening in the United States, not just here, but we talk about what's, what's going on in this area of innocence. We, we make sure people understand that there are places to go to read credible information and statistics to have an understanding as to how these things actually happen. <clears throat> Fortunately, we live in the same state with the University of Michigan Law School. They have an innocence clinic. And they are the producers, uh, the primary contributors to something called the National Registry of Exonerations. All of your witness, uh, all of your listeners should should write that down. The National Registry of Exonerations. There's a whole mountain of information uh, as to how these things happen, as to who ends up in prison more than some others, um, and uh, essentially the number since 1989 of people that are now free based on the work of that project and others. There are about 66, maybe 67 different projects around the country that do this kind of thing that either take specific action or try to provide information about the specific cases. But um, the National Registry has lots of information, and right now their number, that is the number only since 1989, is 2,020 people who are free based on the work of various projects around the country. Yeah. Oh my That's crazy. So when I was doing um, some research and um, the the case that I, like that kind of, as I was reading, was like the first case that you took on was the case of Christina Brown. And um, when I was reading through that, um, it said that the, the prosecutors and the people who were in charge, like, forced them to sign, um, like, a statement that's it, that incriminated um, the man who was charged with that. And how is that – is that still, like, such, like, a problem? Because I feel like that's just – like, I was blown away. You know, you, you think and you watch and – you watch the news and you – you know, we're big ID channel family and we watch all those cases and how they break them down and how they found the real killers. And it's just like, it always seemed like such a, a mission for the truth and for justice for specifically the families who were, you know, and as a family member, I would want the truth. The you victims. Know, yeah, yeah. The family members of the victims who I would want the I would never want somebody to go to prison for 
for a crime against right. my family that they'd ever committed. I right. mean, how is there not like a sense of urgency to to do that and just the fraud that was you know committed but, by but, these people right. who you trust? You know, right. that that but, just kind of blew me out of the water. Don't, like when when victims are identifying or when you were talking about how 57% of you know is based on false identification victims i think i mean i don't know but they think they're telling the truth though right i mean they don't have any other motives for wanting to convict the wrong person right but there're just so many things that go into a bad identification <clears throat> distance lighting time of day, what what the witness ate before, whether or not their eyesight is good or bad, mm-hmm. um, whether – I mean there are just so many things that can essentially alter an accurate identification. And let's face it. If the police are presenting you with, with a photo lineup and the photo lineups can have six pictures in them or eight pictures in them or ten pictures in them and they can show you this photo array – And you pick a face and it's the face that you may believe was responsible for the crime that they saw or saw the person running away from. But in too many of those photo arrays, the picture of the person who really did it isn't there. Right. It's not there. So they pick the face that looks closest to what they remember. Well, and I've read too that the human memory is so easily altered by just a few – you know, just a few words or, you know, putting a photo lineup of people that are close. It can be so easily manipulated and um, that I just feel like that's such an outdated – if we know all this data, why isn't yeah, why, the system kind of like catching up almost? Right. Well, because the system is resistant. The system is government. The system is people who are elected and placed in government positions that like those positions, get paid well for those positions and they don't want to leave those positions. Right. So to make changes – in what it is they do, you have to look at the criminal justice system as a big circle. Inside that circle, there are people who are sworn as police officers and investigators. Inside that circle, there are prosecutors and judges and appeals judges and courts. They are all on the inside. They are club members. All of the rest of us are not allowed in the club. Think about it that way. Oh, man. I ain't doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think I'm just going to put my wine away. I'm like ready to have another sip. I'm like, I can't handle this over here. (laughs) So your site, if people go to Seeking Justice, first of all, are you looking for volunteers? Like what are you planning on doing with with the organization? Right now it it provides information. But what else – what's the long-term goal? Well, this week is a, um, a relaunch of the SeekingJusticeBP.com okay. website. And so every day this week, we're putting up another page. But uh, soon, you're going to see a list of what amounts to uh, the, the, the foundational members of a brand new nonprofit organization. Oh, congratulations. All right. Now, it's, it's going to take a while for the application to go through and be approved. So right this minute, we can't take money. Okay. Based on any claims that we are nonprofit because we are not. But that's our direction and intent. When they read the names of the people who are on our board, we have former police chiefs, judges, defense lawyers, uh, high level of defense lawyers. And we have uh, a man who happens to be a, a minister, a bishop in his particular church family, whose son is in prison for a murder he didn't commit. Wow. We have uh, an exoneree, uh, a woman who spent four and a half years in the state prison system, Julie Balmer, who is now free based on the work of one of the innocence clinics because she was sent to prison for many, many years for shaken baby. Uh, Turned out she had uh, adopted her sister's child because the sister wasn't able to care for the child because... The sister had been drug addicted and, of course, the child was damaged physically. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, she had the child for a short period of time but had to rush the child to the hospital for some sort of a medical emergency. The doctors looked at the child and decided that there had been some abuse of this, this child, six weeks old, I believe. 
And two trials later, Julie Bomber was in prison. Wow. It turns out that once again, the lawyer had no money, didn't bring in experts. So by the time one of the university clinics got involved in her defense and her argument for actual innocence, they paid the money for a very expensive consultant to come in and explain that medically the doctors got it wrong. And when they told the police that there was abuse here, they told a lie, a lie based on ignorance, a lie based on failure to properly examine and evaluate. However you want to call it, that bad information sent Julie Balmer to prison. So second trial, she's guilty, goes to prison in four and a half years. But then one of the innocence um, clinics brought in the expert, presented it to a judge, and she was released. Wow. So Julie has been an activist. She has fought up in Lansing for improvements. And so now I'm lucky enough to have Julie Bomber essentially wow. on, on my board. Wow, that's good. Because wow. so, I was going to ask you, do you like lose your mind? I mean, so finally you, you now you're innocent and they're letting you out. But have you just like lost your mind now because you've been locked away for all of this time? Well, what, that's a good question. You know what, I mean? what, you, mm-hmm. what you think of when you're sitting there and you can't do anything about it <clears throat> is that the state – Your government has stolen your life. They took your freedom away. They took your family away. They took your your ability to interact with the rest of the population away. So there's no doubt that there is very likely psychological and emotional damage. Yeah. Um, And yeah, knowing that you're innocent makes it a hundred times worse. Well, I saw the interview um, on your um, your site with it was Lorenda. Swing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it was heartbreaking um, because she said exactly kind of what you were asking about, T. It, she said at one point, she said there was no hope, like get out of the race because you can't, you can't fight this battle. And she kept saying to herself, but I'm innocent. And it was six years later, right, for her. So Jeez. she stayed there six years in jail. Well, Lorinda Swain, I can say, is is one of my three success stories. Um, as a reporter, um, I um, I got wind of her case, and um, the the adopted son who told the lie about her abuse of him and his brother um, came to me from from Calhoun County, and one other reporter on the other side of the state. And we, early on in her incarceration, started to tell the story of how this 15-year-old boy, with the encouragement of some other family members, really wanted help for his mother's drug addiction. Wow. And so the other relatives convinced him to tell the police that she was molesting them. Okay, so you've got a victim. He's talking to the officers. The prosecutors evaluate. They believe his story. Mama gets convicted and gets 25 to 50 years in prison. Wow. And then he says, what? I wanted her to go to a hospital. Okay. (laughs) No, son. You're only 15. You don't understand. It doesn't work that way. So he came to tell me on camera as a reporter it was a lie. Wow. It was a lie. It was a lie. It was a lie. And I went with him to the Calhoun County Prosecutor's Office in hopes that he, telling the prosecutor face-to-face, might make a difference. No. Once the door is slammed, it is slammed permanently unless you figure out a way inside the circle to pull you out of the mess that you're in. The University of Michigan Law School and the Innocence Clinic saw my stories, heard her pleas, took on her case, found very strong evidence that the whole thing was made up. The kid got to testify in court under oath that he lied. And by the time it was over, a judge who was nearing retirement decided to release her from prison. But for seven years, she had to wear a tether at whatever cost per month, not leave the county, 
and wait for seven years in her freedom, but still tied down to the state of Michigan, not really free. So wasn't even really released. No, but she wasn't. She wasn't in prison. Right. She, she was at least mm-hmm. on the parents' yeah, you're at farm. Home. You're at home. That's yeah, a she bit. was at least on the parents' farm. But the bottom line is that it took that long for a newly elected prosecutor to, to decide, no, we're not going to do this anymore. And he wow. signed off on her complete release. Wow. That happened in the last year. Wow. So did the release of uh, Devante Sanford. So did the release of Lamar Munson. Those are my three cases where I had something to do with either advocacy, reporting, or investigating. And I pulled and, it forward. And so how did you decide to – like what made you get involved in each one of the cases or just yeah, generally? just in general. <laughs> um, I don't play golf. Okay. It's been a long time since I played tennis. <laughs> so uh, my, my beaten, battered old body uh, didn't have a way to go play. So instead of playing, I'm working. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the work has to do with somebody has to step up. Uh, yes, there are other organizations around the country, but the fact of the matter is uh, uh, in the many visits that I've had on the inside, walking out of the lobby of a prison and into the prison itself, you you get a little bit of an understanding of what it is they go through every day. Mm. And so <clears throat> your years of an, as a news reporter and an investigator, is did it start back then? Yeah, it did. Um, I actually had a private investigator come to me in like 1993, 94, and laid out the arguments for innocence for a fellow named Frederick Thomas Freeman, whose uh, Buddhist name is Temujin Kensu. And um, in 1995, I did a week-long series on Channel 7 uh, about uh, the ninja killer. And it was called that, I guess, I guess for catchy phrase sake. But the real bottom line is that he was a, a martial arts guy who um, kind of knew what he was doing in that area and this horrifically circumstantial case was built against him and sent him to prison for life for a murder where he was outside of Escanaba and the five-minute period where the murder was taking place in Port Huron. Um, oh, jeez. The travel distance is over 400 miles. Wow. <laughs> 400 miles. He passed a polygraph. The 18-year-old pregnant girlfriend he was with passed the polygraph. But none of that was good enough for the prosecutor who essentially put on this show and got him convicted of a murder that he could not have committed. I don't understand how those facts are overlooked. That's the part that's just blowing me out of the water. Like, I don't I understand how they sleep at night. <laughs> Seriously, right. I mean, you're talking about somebody's life. Well, not only do they sleep soundly, but the prosecutor responsible for that has been sitting on the federal bench in downtown Detroit ever since. Wow. Wow. Jeez. That's crazy. That really (laughs) is. This is like That's hard to digest. (laughs) So long term, what is the goal for the organization? You want it's you guys are applying it's hopefully gonna be a nonprofit, right? Yes. um, And then will people be able to come to you and say you know, like I, I noticed there was a Facebook post, um, her, somebody who was thanking you for helping because their friend is somebody innocent. Yeah, they're, they're, we get outreach every day. Um, over the last couple of days, I have eight from, wow. Wow. Uh, from California, from Illinois, from Ohio, from Texas. And, and they're all cases that because I'm a licensed private investigator in Michigan, I can't necessarily help them with. But uh, one of my associate companies has 500 investigators throughout the country. Wow. And so we had a conversation just this morning about uh, taking those pleas, those requests for help, and essentially putting them in the hands of people who are licensed in those particular states. So the answer to your question is yes, when we're firmly up and running and uh, we're – convinced that uh, uh, the licenses and the bonds and the insurance is in place in all the various states where mm-hmm. we get these requests and we can match them up with investigators, yeah, we'll probably move that forward. Wow. So did OJ do it? 
<laughs> is this a much more satisfying, fulfilling role for you than reporting the news um, and not really being able to do anything about it? <laughs> Actually, there, there are two different ways of life. I was a lucky person to be able to go into work on whatever hour of my day started as a reporter mm-hmm. Do stories. Those stories were complete. When I went home, I, I was fully fulfilled. <laughs> I knew that my workday was done and there was a product and it was complete and it was done. And tomorrow you start all over again. Yeah. Right. That was interesting and fulfilling and interesting. Now these things take a long time and it's a struggle. Yeah. But, oh. but rewarding when it happens. Right, right. What happens to the people when they're exonerated? Like, for example, somebody who goes to jail for 14 years because they were convicted of a crime that they didn't do. But when they get out, does that label, the the stigma, does that go away? And how do they cope? Fortunately, there are ways to to expunge, to clean up uh, the history. But uh, the good thing now is that the state of Michigan only just this year passed a wrongful conviction compensation bill. Mm. where if you can prove that you went to prison for something you didn't do, you are paid $50,000 for every year you spend in prison. Wow. Oh, okay. Uh-oh, yeah. Rocky. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Rocky, Rocky's going, oh, I can't. That's not even funny. No, it's don't not. even say it. No, no. So it's a structure, but it's still an application, and we don't know how difficult it is yet to actually get the money because mm-hmm. the applications have only just started to be processed. And what about um, – can the person that's been exonerated go after the the prosecutor or, or no? No, there's there's immunity. There is? There's immunity unless you can find actual criminality on their part. But they're mm-hmm. essentially immune from mm-hmm. your being able to go after them. I they're named like- in lawsuits all the time, but it's very seldom that uh, that you win against someone with standing immunity because of their government position. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of, like that's something that if they were held responsible for that, they might. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't they? If if, if wouldn't be so they a little, well, right. it's their job. They're still collecting a paycheck. But if I screwed up on my job, I would be responsible for that. Why right. is that? I mean, and that to me is such backward thinking. Again, on you know government positions, you're working for the people. You should be, you should be held accountable when that goes wrong. There should be consequences for that. So that just, you know, and there would be a little bit more. Because a wrong decision like that, if hopefully when they do get exonerated, is still going to cost a lot of money. It's a very costly. It's not like um, don't keep the case going because you're spending money. But if if after fourteen or fifteen years they're found innocent, it's still going to cost a lot of money. Yes, yes, yes. Money, of course, one of the considerations. But the real thing to be considered is. The lives affected. Right. I mean, uh, these families that are watching the days click by. Right. Do everything they can to get their their loved one out. So they're mortgaging houses. Right. They're taking on second jobs. They're borrowing money. They're they're doing things to find attorneys. The attorneys sometimes don't do anything but take the money, tap dance, and run. Um, There are a lot of attorneys in the state of Michigan that have been disbarred for that kind of misconduct. Really? So by the time it's over, it's just really difficult to find, you know, counsel that can do any good in, with any of this at all. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a difficult process. But just, just understand that this is not an ongoing sad story. The good thing is that there are heroes out there, mm-hmm. that there are uh, individuals and organizations that are trying to do something about it that are trying to force the reforms that the criminal justice system needs not only here but enact. And so, yeah, um, there are people who are recognized that there is a problem here and they've been trying to do things about it. And uh, there are people who are dedicating their lives, the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. to try to get it done. So do you see the rate of, um, of uh, wrongful convictions going down then? No. Oh, you don't? No. Wow. Because the uh, – the misconduct that leads to many of them, well, all right, maybe I should be a little bit more optimistic. Maybe maybe the more we talk about this, the more we get more people to watch these processes, the more we get people to consider mm-hmm. the claims of actual innocence, to maybe contribute to the fight, to get more involved with government and the criminal justice system, maybe the people 
who were on the inside of that circle I was telling you about will understand that they're being watched. Right. That's the primary issue. Only the media really watches what goes on on the inside. And the media doesn't really get involved in many cases until it's too late. Right. And then the media is ready to tell the shocking story of the wrongful conviction and how the family was uh, torn apart right. by this. But it's too late. Then it's too late. Right. So if, if there was monitoring, if, if as soon as someone raised their hand to say, I didn't do this, that more citizens got involved, then yeah, the police wouldn't be so sloppy. Well, how, how do citizens get involved though? Well, if, if they hear of one, if they're okay. in, in their church and some parishioner is saying, mm-hmm. I need help because my son just went to prison for a murder he didn't do, then yeah, okay. you should, that, that, parishion, that, that parish, that church family that should, should step up and say, can okay, how can we help? Right, yeah. right. Um, how does Michigan rate as far as um, people being convicted for um, you know, for people. I, I try not to not to, to speculate on 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 where a state might fit, but there are graphs and charts mm-hmm. of re, based on real information that you'll find on the National Registry of Exonerations, and it will show you mm-hmm. where Michigan sits. As a matter of fact, it's probably a good thing for everybody to know mm-hmm. where their state is right. on, on that list of of misconduct. Right. Um, and how these things happen more. But I, I think maybe there's three or four, maybe five other states that have higher bad conviction rates than Michigan. I heard Texas was one of them. Way up there, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. So now one last question. Would it be horrible to get somebody out that actually did commit it? But, I mean, just just everything was stacked against him. I mean, and then now you got him out, but he's actually the the person. Um, that happens so seldom because the the uh, the system is very resistant about claims of actual innocence. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't know of Anybody? a case okay. where well, somebody has been exonerated and released and they were actually innocent. Right. Uh, because the checks and balances are tripled, quadrupled when it comes to a reevaluation of a conviction. Right. And yes, sometimes based on a mistake inside the process, people who are in fact guilty mm-hmm. get released. Right. Right. At the front end, people can get arrested and they in fact did the murder, but they had enough money to get a really good attorney and not be punished for the murder they did. Yeah, right. I mean there's no doubt that there is, you know, I guess this ongoing imbalance. Wow. Damn, that means we can't stay broke, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> come on, come on, you musicians. <laughs> Let's get something happening here, okay? <laughs> oh, my gosh, that is crazy. Jeez, that's really kind of scary. You asked earlier about uh, the Christina Brown yeah. case. Well, as a reporter, way back in 1996, January, I was the reporter on that story Yeah. when Christina's body was found. And um, and the uh, the man who was uh, essentially her drug-dealing associate, was charged with her murder, mm-hmm. convicted. Well, that's Lamar Munson. Wow. And he is now free because just as I was about to retire, I got the call from a woman who was, in fact, with the killer. Wow. Oh, wow. And I stayed in touch with her after my retirement, and uh, we convinced her to come up and testify. And with her testimony, with the new forensic testimony that put uh, only another person's um, fingerprints on the murder weapon and uh, a discussion about that bad confession that sent him to that prison. That part blew me away. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he did. He did confess and signed it, but it was essentially a con by the police investigators yeah. who said, OK, sign this piece of paper and we'll let you go home. That, that has happened too often. Well, yeah. and they throw a bunch of things at you and they're like, okay, well, if you plea out to this, we'll give you this much time. And then that doesn't happen. It's just a trick to kind of screw you into confessing and getting another notch on the prosecutor's belt, if you will. Absolutely. That's the way that so happened. What blew me away, too, about that case was that they hadn't even, like, the coroner hadn't even made their their plea yet. They hadn't even said what actually had happened from the autopsy. And then before they had said, well, you you know, they had already got a confession, which nothing matched up, which I just thought was so crazy. I Was that oh, the just, case where you got the phone call? 
that yeah. said you got it wrong? That's the case where I got the phone call from the woman who was uh, party too. Uh-huh. And uh, because she was smoking crack cocaine with the guy who wanted to keep going back to Christina and getting more and tried to get someone credit and there was a scuffle. And he was six foot five and weighed 250 some odd pounds, if not 270 pounds. And he overpowered this girl who was kind of tall, five, six, seven, but big gorilla man beating down a child. And that's what he did. And he bludgeoned her with the, with the ceramic top to a toilet. So only his fingerprints were on that evidence that the prosecutor and the police had in their custody from day one. You see, that's that's what should make us all angry right. about that's this kind right. of thing. Right. Because because if you're going to take somebody's life away, you ought to be much more sure right. than well, these people were. That you catch the right person. I mean, that guy right. was at large for how long right. before? Have they? Has he been prosecuted? No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> not only has he not been prosecuted, but I got in my car and went to Johnstown, Pennsylvania to find him, and the police department hasn't. Wow. They know exactly who they have his fingerprints. Wow. All right. They have his fingerprints because he was a criminal before he left here. But within one year of that murder, he and his family packed up and went to Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and that's where they still are. Wow. Now, supposedly he's sick. That's what I read. On, on dialysis. But so what? Yeah. Right. He needs to be brought back here. Mm-hmm. An answer. But, Dang, but, Bill, you gangster, man. Yes. <laughs> I'm not Bill is gangster. <laughs> you driving your car and go somewhere yeah. and somebody that kills yeah. somebody. He's, he's not playing golf for tennis. Make <laughs> that really clear. <laughs> well, that's good because clearly nobody else is going to fight for right. one, the victim, and two, the wrongly accused that lost yeah. their life and their family lost right. their lives trying to save their family member's life. It's yeah, that blew me away, that whole the, – I think the part that I was most shocked about was that the, he had a signed confession for how he committed a murder when they didn't even know yet was the part that they – that blew me out of the water the most. That wow. I know. Really yeah. I look, we're, we're going to leave out of here and say it. <laughs> I know. This isn't well, – no, we're not going to because no. it's not no, that sorry. kind of a show. But it, the good news is that there is so much awareness. Yeah. So, and it's people and like Bill fighting for yeah. that. Exactly. And, right. So yeah. Seeking Justice. Uh, and what's the site? Seeking Justice. Yeah, it's SeekingJusticeBP.com. Okay. Um, we had to put my initials on it mainly because Seeking Justice is two words that are put together for so many reasons, for so many things. And so if you – if you just put seeking justice in Google, uh, your computer will explode yeah. because it goes to so many places. So, so our designation is seekingjusticebp.com. Okay. And yeah, this week we're starting to to uh, uh, do a lot more with the website, and uh, the building process is going to be expansive, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to be reaching out across the country, if not the world, to get as much help for these efforts as we can. That's great. Wow. That's great. So you'll you will also need volunteers. Aside from, I mean, you're going to need money eventually too, but volunteers as well. Yeah, both will uh, will certainly help. Okay. Um, you know, the volunteers can help us essentially monitor the press from everywhere right. about these kinds of things. Um, the more educated volunteers we get, um, the better off we all will be. That's great. Well. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I've learned a lot with yeah. this. I know, this. This is, is absolutely. So crazy. <laughs> it's scary, but um, it's real. It's it real. real. So we got to deal with the fact that it's real. It is real. Regardless, but, but you know what? You're right, though. There's organizations like like yeah. the Seeking Justice yeah. right. BP, and also you know Time Magazine to come out with that um, special edition for that. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a problem. Well, it's know? all very timely because over the last yeah. three years or so, um, so many people have been exposed to making a murder. It was the Netflix 10-hour yeah. uh, series on that horrible case up in Wisconsin. But even before that, the serial podcast uh, was talking about the uh, the murder of a uh, teenager in a Baltimore high school. And now the exposure of that case has the person sent to prison for life for that murder getting essentially a new hearing, new trial. So the more people that understand that this business about the innocent in prison is more than a notion, more than a simple claim of everybody in prison being innocent. Right. Because that's not the case. Right. I've talked to people in prison, and yeah, they say, yeah, I did that. Right. 
And so, but when somebody says, "No, I didn't do that," we have to we have to accept that at least as a reasonable claim. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, in prison is filled with con men, but that's not to say that everybody falls in that same category, and that's what we have to understand. Right. Well, yeah, you're right. And if when you read the stories of these people that are, have been exonerated, it's scary that it can happen to anybody. So you really do have to. You, you really do have to get educated with this. Yeah. Do you, um, when people are exonerated and they're free, do they are there therapy programs that they can take part in, or is that a part of? Um, so I feel like once like they're a free, rehabilitation yeah, to get there, back into and, and what because what kind of support is there after exactly. they're free, especially if the family's gone or. Um, well, you know, and how do you get rid even, of that label? Uh, well, know. the label and even just being together as a family again when, you know, you've been gone for 10 years, getting back in, getting to know your children again and your spouse or your, you know, just becoming back a part of, you know, is there a, you know, is there a process for that or can, is that a, something that can be, can be done and added? Is that what the 50000 is for? <laughs> well, it certainly Because that help. doesn't seem like it would fix it, though. <laughs> no. No, doesn't no. fix the mental. It, uh, it wouldn't. And so far, the state hasn't issued one check yet, but that's okay. Um, but no, the answer to your question is um, it is a difficult transition to have every single moment and second of your life uh, controlled by mm-hmm. the state and the walls and bars around you. And then all of a sudden, you're free to breathe fresh air, mm-hmm. uh, make your own decisions. Um, that in and of itself is very difficult. We know yeah. of an exoneree mm-hmm. who's out after 27 years. Wow. And he literally, in six months, was trying to figure out a way to go back. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. Is, that a, is that an area that can be that um, you're soon, hopefully, to be nonprofit that people can get involved in and, and We're volunteers can, you know, uh, other therapists or programs they can put together for that specific because when they, I feel like that's such a huge, you know, part of, component when they're released that they right. have that sort of um, support. I guess right. you know, family counseling, right. you know, therapy for for someone who's innocent who was told they were guilty for so long. You know, we're considering how, in other ways, we might help. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it it may have to be more than just education. Yeah. I mean, we, so that could be an extension of sure. possibly of your organization. I mean, we, we know how to shoot and edit videotape. We know how to, mm-hmm. how to talk briefly about the, the scenarios. We know how to send people to broader situations. Mm-hmm. We can recommend books. Uh, there's one called uh, I Am Troy Davis, and he was a person who uh, was executed. And after a long, decades-long fight to keep him alive, when they finally put him to death, they found out he was innocent. Oh, oh. Man. So I am Troy Davis tells that story. Um, wow. So yeah, um, there's there's certainly a lot to uh, consume, and yeah, this uh, this can be an absolutely horrific, um, depressing uh, subject. But we all have to remain strong. We all have to find moments to smile. We all mm-hmm. have to. Do the outreach. If we know someone who's inside for something they didn't do, we need to write that person. We need to let them know that uh, there's still someone on the outside that cares and is, in fact, trying to do something to help. And we need to celebrate those individuals and organizations that are doing what they can to extricate these right. innocent people from the prison system. Right. Gee. And we thank you. Yeah, thank you so much yeah. for your work. Thank you for your work and your time. And um, we'll keep following your organization, mm-hmm. Seeking Justice. Uh, BP, check it out. Um, you yeah. will go to the website. There's a Facebook page, and um, we'll keep that'll keep everybody posted on the progress and how they can get involved in the near future. Yeah, somebody with checks. Yes, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You don't know when it could be you or or I'm somebody you, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm still uh, just learning the power of it all, but yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram, and um, and uh, what was the other one we just. Uh, Twitter? Just joined Twitter, yeah. Oh, are you tweeting? Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. thank you so much for your time and uh, for educating us. Yes, thank you. Yes. And then this uh, Friday on a 
Different note, we'll be at the DMAs hanging out with T. Yeah, we're yeah. hanging out, man. Eight, eight, eight awards. No, no, we're not, we're not going to let you get in trouble. <laughs> no, no trouble. Just sit there, man. I'm like scared now. <laughs> well, that's okay. You Somebody can hey, be like, I'm we, tired of him winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Don't oh, say that, T. You're putting bad I'm stuff scared. out to the energy. The, yeah. No, yeah. that's not okay. true. We're we going to we're going to be around musicians. Right. That's yeah. always good energy. You know? Music makes the... We'll go around. That's right. Universal language. So we'll stick with that. All okay. Right. But, uh, Bill Proctor, thank you so much for yeah, your thank time. Thank you so much. It was fantastic. I'm glad I could be here. And yes. um, our sip on this, Jack, what was our sip yeah, on this? Yeah, well, week? so I was trying to uh, find the appropriate drink that would represent our guest today, and I found um, a Merlot wine that is called The One, because he is the one here in Detroit who's making a difference yes. with uh, finding justice for all. So. Right. And he is the one who didn't even drink any. So. <laughs> I know. So I know, good. but it's still in honor of, of Bill Proctor. Yeah, there you go, you know? Bill. And then, Bill, I know you're going to love this. I bet you didn't do this on Channel 7. but no, uh, this is my favorite part. We, oh. we, we do fortune okay. cookies, but how are so, we going to end it today, though? Um, we have to read our fortune and um, end it um, with, we end? with justice. Okay. All right. And then with so justice. How we do it is justice. we throw the cookies up, and then whatever way... The one? face, that's your cookie. So, okay. okay. Wait, so no. this one's mine. Wait, no. That one's just no, that's hers. That's just you didn't even throw enough of them. I know, I didn't, I didn't throw it. I throw one more for tea. That one's for tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. Actually, it landed in the back in the bucket. So, <laughs> so you got to, we're going to end it with. Injustice. Well, injustice. Rocky started okay. off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I get and then the song that we're going to end the show with, T, because you didn't send me anything. So, oh, yeah. um, you know what I did, though? When I was researching all of this, I found a conference that they held. I can't remember where it was, but it was honoring um, people that were exonerated. And the song they played was by Michael Bublé, It's a New Day. Oh, so I thought, nice. well, we'll use that song. Yeah. So we'll close the show out with that song. But what does the fortune So my fortune says, your golden opportunity is coming shortly in justice. In justice. Wow, mine or should be with justice. With justice, with probably. justice is how we yeah. end it. Yeah, we're gonna. Mm-hmm. Mine says there's 365 days in a year. May all 365 of your dreams come true Aww. with justice. With justice. Okay, so you don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> your fortune just you're told you. All right. No, all right. that's uh, that's good. Yeah. Mine says take advantage of an upcoming opportunity with justice. Oh. oh. Donations, donations. Yeah, donations. <laughs> Go ahead, Jess. Uh, good news is on the way in justice. Mm. And mine says you will spend old age in comfort and material wealth in with justice. Oh, okay. Wow. okay. <laughs> All right. So that was seekingjusticebp.com. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we'll yes. see, hopefully see some people out at the DMAs this Friday. Yes. And we would like to remind you that sometimes the only available mode of transportation is a leap. Birds flying high. You know how I feel. Sun in the sky. You know how I feel. Drifting on by You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life For me And I'm feeling Good In the sea, you know how I feel. River running free, you know how I feel. Blossom on a tree, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me, and I'm feeling good. Dragonfly out in the sun You know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun You know what I mean 
sleep in peace when day is done. That's what I mean. And this old world is a new world, and it's old world for me. Hands of the fine, you know how I feel. Oh, freedom is mine, and I know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life. Oh, 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 oh,